the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Earnestly seek to commend yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed of, handling the word of truth with precision. We're glad you're joining us for today's program, A Word from the Word, with your host, Pastor Tom, who will unpack for us the richness and beauty of the Bible's original languages as they bear on key words and concepts from both Testaments. Our hope is that your walk with God will be strengthened and deepened, and both your understanding and application of God's Word will be enriched, and you'll be drawn to love it more and more each day. And now, here's Pastor Tom. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining me today on A Word from the Word. Well, in our New Year series, 2024, The Bible, What Is It Good For? We're now up to Part 5. And if you missed any previous sessions, you can simply access the podcasts at faithtalk1360.com, spotify.com, or Apple Podcasts. More details on these options will be given at the end of today's program. Well, we introduced this series putting to rest some of the unfortunate criticisms leveled against the Bible. Criticisms that are rooted in ignorance, misinformation, or just sheer animosity. Last time in Part 4, called How's Your Circulation, we took a curious yet provocative look at some facts about book circulation in general and the Bible's circulation in particular. We learned that books that make the bestseller list can sell a few hundred thousand copies. Then there are books that occasionally sell over a million copies. On very rare occasions, a book might surpass the 10 million mark in sales. While these statistics are certainly worth celebrating, when we compare them to the Bible, it becomes jaw-dropping. The number of Bibles sold now reaches into the billions. The Bible has been read by more people and published in more languages than any other book. In 2022 alone, the United Bible Societies distributed 35.5 million Bibles worldwide. In the last five years, via the Bible Society Network, 1.8 billion scriptures, including over 184 million full Bibles, were distributed. The Gideon Bible Society by itself distributed over 2 billion Bibles worldwide since 1908. And the Wycliffe Global Alliance translated New Testaments or complete Bibles in some 1,865 languages. The Bible text is better preserved than the writings of Caesar, Plato, or Aristotle. The evidence clearly shows that the Bible we have today, 
particularly the New Testament, is 95.5% true to the original writings. And friends, here's an appropriate spot to compare the writings of Shakespeare, composed between 1564 and 1616, right around the time the authorized 1611 King James Bible was being translated. So, let's pull out our literary magnifying glass because the following results regarding Shakespeare pale in comparison to investigating our Bible, the Judeo-Christian scriptures. John Leah, in his volume, The Greatest Book in the World, remarks, in an article in the North American Review, the writer makes some interesting comparisons between the writings of Shakespeare and the scriptures. This clearly revealed that much greater care was bestowed on the biblical manuscripts than upon other writings even when there was so much more opportunity of preserving the correct text by means of printed copies than when all the copies had to be made by hand. The author disclosed the following, It seems strange that the text of Shakespeare, which has been around now for only some 450 years, should be far more uncertain and corrupt than that of the New Testament, now over 18 centuries old, during nearly 15 of those centuries where it existed only in manuscript form. With perhaps a dozen or 20 exceptions, the text of every verse of the New Testament may be said to be so far settled by consent of scholars that any dispute to its readings must be related rather to the interpretation of the words than to any doubts respecting the words themselves. But in every one of Shakespeare's 37 plays, there are probably a hundred readings still in dispute a large portion of which materially affects the meaning of the passage in which they occur. Well, friends, today's part five is the Bible, that indestructible book. And I'd like to begin by sharing a true story that occurred some time ago on a Sunday morning in Afghanistan with a young soldier sitting in his bunkhouse alone. And before this story unfolds, imagine you were stranded somewhere or beyond your control, found yourself in a region away from everything familiar to you. Which would you prefer to have with you, your Bible or a deck of cards? Now, before you blurt out your answer, imagine that this region you are stranded in is decidedly antagonistic toward Christianity, especially not allowing you to have a Bible or any Christian literature. So, now would you decide to opt for the deck of cards? Do you have any idea how a simple deck of cards can aid you in recalling a boatload of the Bible's grand truths? Well, friends, let's return to that Sunday morning scene in Afghanistan with the young soldier alone in his bunkhouse. It happened to be quiet that morning. The guns, mortars, and landmines hadn't made any noise. As he sat there, he pulled out his old deck of cards and spread them across his bunk. Just then his sergeant strolled in and asked, "'Why aren't you with the rest of the platoon?' "'Well, sir, it's the Lord's Day, and I wanted to spend some time with the Lord.' The sergeant remarked, "'Looks to me like you're getting ready to play cards.' "'Oh, no, sir,' the soldier replied. "'You see, since Bibles and other Christian literature are banned in this country, I decided to talk to the Lord by studying this deck of cards.' Trying to mask his disbelief, the sergeant respectfully asked, 
Just how will you do that? To which the soldier happily responded, You see, Sarge, the ace reminds me that there is only one God. The two represents the two parts of the Bible, the Old and New Testament. The three reminds me of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The four signifies the four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The five reminds me of Jesus' account of the ten virgins, five of which were foolish, but five of which were ready for the bridegroom's coming. The six stands for the six days it took God to create the heavens and the earth. The seven represents the day God rested after working for six days. The eight reminds me of Noah's family, his wife and three sons and their wives, eight people whom God saved from the flood that destroyed the earth the first time around. The nine is reminiscent of the account of Jesus cleansing the ten lepers. He cleansed ten, but nine never returned to thank him. The Ten represents the Ten Commandments that God handed down to Moses on tablets of stone. The Jack stands for Satan, initially one of God's angels, but who rebelled against God and was cast out of heaven for his sly and evil ways. He is now the Joker of eternal hell. The Queen reminds me of the Virgin Mary, Jesus' mother, and that Jesus' birth was a miraculous one. The king, of course, stands for Jesus, for he is the king of kings. Well, the soldier went on, and the sergeant's eyes were just riveted to that deck of cards. A deck contains 52 cards, representing 52 weeks in a year. The four suits represent the four seasons of the year, spring, summer, fall, and winter. Each suit has 13 cards, the amount of weeks in a quarter. So, you see, Sarge, when I want to talk to the Lord and thank him, I just pull out this old deck of cards, and they remind me of all that I have to be thankful for. Well, the sergeant just stood there, nearly mortified, and after about a minute with tears in his eyes and his heart throbbing, said, Soldier, can I borrow that deck of cards? Friends, in our last session, I somewhat humorously posed the question, how's your circulation? That being, of course, a play on words for our circulation of God's word to the people around us. Second Corinthians chapter three supplies the inspiration for a cliche we hear often enough. Be careful how you live. You may be the only Bible some person ever reads, taken from William J. Toms. But I'm here to tell you, friends, that this doesn't get us off the hook. The Bible was meant to be published and distributed, handed out, if you will. Well, today I want to again increase and reinforce our appreciation of the Bible, that book of books, and solidify our confidence in it as both a literary and spiritual masterpiece. Curiously, the Bible happens to be referred to in many ways. We speak of it as God's Word, the Good Book, the Holy Scriptures, and, in the tradition of the Apostle Paul, even the Sword of the Spirit. The Apostle Peter calls it the Living Word. No doubt the inspiration behind the original Living Bible by Ken Taylor. My own contribution to this list would be the Book of Books. Some people simply call it the Book, for nothing else seems necessary. It stands alone, towering above all other writings. Yet, in spite of all these wonderful nicknames, it would seem to me that the most appropriate name should be God's Miracle Book. 
My take, friends, is that this is true for several reasons. First, the Bible is miraculous in its origin. In other words, it was divinely inspired, a term that unfortunately falls short of the original meaning to be breathed out by God. Second, the Bible is miraculous in its durability. In other words, it has outlasted the opposition of its critics and survived its enemies' attempts to exterminate it. More on this later. Third, the Bible is miraculous in its results. For people who read it and believe it, it has genuinely transformed their lives. Fourth, the Bible is miraculous in its harmony. In spite of being written over a span of 1,500 years by over 40 different authors in three languages and on three continents, the Bible agrees in all its parts. Fifth, the Bible is miraculous in its message. The message from Genesis to Revelation is that a supernatural God intervenes in the affairs of mortals to accomplish his plan to redeem and save humanity. Then sixth, the Bible is miraculous in its preservation. The Bible's overwhelming manuscript evidence has preserved its accuracy and reliability down through the centuries. No piece of literature in history has the body of evidence to back it up like the Bible. Well, friends, today I'll be zeroing in on the Bible's preservation and durability two of these miraculous aspects, and why I'm calling today's session that indestructible book. So today we're going to begin with a portion of John chapter 17, which has often been referred to as Jesus's high priestly prayer, and rightly so. Here Jesus is specifically interceding in prayer for his disciples, for their effectiveness in spreading the gospel, and what that will require, and for all future disciples that will come after them. So this prayer is for us too. Ooh, friends, Naturally, there are several important elements to Jesus' prayer, and several themes are interwoven. But today I want us to pay attention to particularly about what Jesus says about the Word of God. Just before Jesus begins his prayer, he says, A time is coming, and has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace." In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed. And friends, I'd love it if you'd read all of chapter 17. It's rich, because today I'm focusing on verses 12 through 17. Here Jesus is talking to his Father. While I was with them, the disciples, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that Scripture would be fulfilled. Now remember, friends, when whenever a New Testament author refers to the Scriptures, they're referring to the Hebrew Scriptures, our Old Testament. Jesus continues in verse 13, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Well, let's pause here a moment, friends. You're listening to A Word from the Word. 
With me, your host, Pastor Tom, I value you as listeners, and a word from the word is listener-funded. Your financial partnership is vital to keep this program broadcasting, which also disciples Christians without a church home, and you who may have been hurt by the institutional church. Please join forces with me in a word from the word. Email me for support details at a word from the word at minister.com. Friends, we're living in challenging financial times. And ministries are not immune. A word from the word is still seeking to become fully funded. And supporters are greatly needed. We'll repeat this info at the end of today's program. Well, friends, in these six verses we just read, John seventeen twelve through 17, Jesus says three things about the word of God. First, scripture would be fulfilled. Verse 12, this implies a divine plan. Second, I have given them your word, verse 14. This implies a divine provision, which assumes divine preservation. And third, your word is truth, verse 17. This implies divine power. Notice, friends, how verse 17 begins. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. The word sanctify is a somewhat quirky word for our generation, but it's still a powerful word nonetheless and worth cracking open. Behind this incredible New Testament word is the idea of being set apart for holy or sacred use, even to be consecrated for God's usage in the following of and the carrying out of his will in our lives. It also carries with it the idea that we are to separate ourselves from profane things and live dedicated to God's will and plan. Along with this, we are to be cleansing and purifying our lives through the power afforded us by the Holy Spirit. Friends, isn't it interesting that the member of the Trinity who inhabits us is referred to as the Holy Spirit? And his role in our lives is to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ and to lead us into holiness of life and living. Isn't this what sets us apart from the world? Isn't this what distinguishes us from how the world lives? So, friends, Jesus told us that the word of God would be fulfilled, implying God's divine plan for his word, and that he, Jesus, would give his disciples God's word, implying God's provision for them, and implying that God's word has been preserved for this purpose. And finally, Jesus indicated that God's word would bring with it divinely sanctified sanctifying power that would enable his disciples to live the way God wants them to live. And this word of God would be the durable word of God, never to be destroyed or done away with, ever. Friends, just listen to a representative sampling of some Old and New Testament scriptures that validate and verify these remarkable truths. Psalm 119.89, Forever, O Lord, Yahweh, your word is settled in heaven. Settled here means stands firm. Matthew twenty four thirty five. Jesus says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words shall not pass away. John ten thirty five, where Jesus also said, The scriptures cannot be broken. Broken here signifies being destroyed, dissolved, demolished from a word that means to unloose something fastened. In other words, the scriptures are fastened securely, and they cannot be unloosened. Second Timothy three fourteen through 17 bears repeating here, All scripture is breathed out by God, and is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the person of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
Second Peter 1, 20 and 21. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own private interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. First Thessalonians 2.13 We constantly thank God that when you received from us the word of God's message, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. Friends, these powerful declarations place the burden on God to preserve and guarantee the accurate transmission of his word down through the ages. But friends, this is precisely where the atheist, the agnostic, the skeptic, and critic throw out their smoke screens. They come in the guise of a presumably innocent question that goes something like this. Oh, the Bible has been copied and translated so many times over and changed, so how can we be sure we have what was originally said or written? And friends, this is precisely where you, as an apologist, can step in and clear away some obstacles to faith by demonstrating that faith in the Bible and in the Christ of the Bible is a reasonable and intelligent faith, faith that's based on overwhelming evidence available to us from numerous disciplines such as academic, historical, literary, archaeological, and scientific disciplines. Friends, just listen to some additional interesting facts about the Bible's preservation. First, the Bible was originally written on perishable materials, stone, clay, leather, papyrus, skins, and vellum. Second, the Bible was copied for hundreds of years before the invention of the printing press, yet its correctness or accuracy has not diminished, as shown by the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls in 1947. The late Bernard L. Ram, Christian apologist, theologian, and prolific writer on religion, science, and Christology, once described the methods for transmitting and preserving the Bible's manuscripts in his book, Protestant Christian Evidences, this way. Jews preserved their scriptures as no other manuscripts have ever been preserved. With their Masorah, or tradition, they kept tabs on every letter, syllable, word, and paragraph. They had special classes of men within their culture whose sole duty was to preserve and transmit these documents with practically perfect fidelity. Scribes, lawyers, and Masoretes. Whoever counted the syllables and words of Plato or Aristotle, Cicero or Seneca? Friends, God has not only preserved his word through time, but through the attacks of its enemies who have tried to ban it, burn it, and outlaw it. In the 1800s, author and preacher H.L. Hastings said, Infidels for 1800 years have been refuting and overthrowing this book. And yet it stands today as solid as a rock. Its circulation increases, and it is more loved and cherished and read today than ever before. When a French monarch proposed the persecution of the Christians in his domain, an old statesman and warrior said to him, Sire, the church of God is an anvil that has worn out many hammers. So the hammers of infidels have been pecking away at this book for ages, but the hammers are worn out and the anvil still endures. If this book had not been the book of God, people would have destroyed it long ago. Emperors and popes, kings and priests, princes and rulers have all tried their hand at it. They die, and the book still lives. 
friends, former President Ronald Reagan once said, I never had any doubt about it, the Bible, being of divine origin. Point out to me any similar collection of writings that has lasted for as many thousands of years and is still a bestseller worldwide. It has to be of divine origin. Friends, this too is also worth repeating from our last session. Voltaire, the French philosopher, writer, and avowed atheist who died in 1778, boldly announced that a hundred years after his death, Christianity would become extinct and pass from history. Yet, ironically, only 50 years after his death, the Geneva Bible Society set up shop in Voltaire's own house and used Voltaire's own printing press to publish and distribute Bibles. Can you join me in saying amen? Amen. Well, friends, we're nearing the end of our program. I sure hope it's been both inspiring and challenging. And please continue following along with me during this New Year series as I continue to bring evidence and share multiple ways we can defend our faith and our own sacred book, the Bible, the Judeo-Christian Scriptures. And as promised, we'll close out our broadcast with an email address where you may write me and share your feedback on this New Year series or any teachings you've heard on A Word from the Word. You may also inquire about how to help support A Word from the Word as this program is listener-funded. Friends, I love coming alongside those of you who might be without a church home at this time, or those of you who may have been hurt or wounded by the institutional church. Podcasts are accessible at either faithtalk1360.com, search the menu for local program podcasts, then scroll to A Word from the Word, or spotify.com, and here search for A Word from the Word with Pastor Tom. You may also access A Word from the Word on Apple Podcasts. If these teachings are inspiring you to grow and study God's Word more conscientiously, why not come alongside us and invest in the mission of A Word from the Word, which includes sharing the gospel, discipling those without a church home, and even you who might have been hurt or wounded by the institutional church? Please make a one-time contribution or become a monthly partner early in this new year. It will help us move ahead in the black. Well, thanks for listening today, friends. And remember, Jesus loves you. I'm Pastor Tom with a word from the word. Friends, if you would like to let Pastor Tom know what this program has meant to you, email him at a word from the word at minister.com. That's a word from the word at minister.com. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.